In this week's episode of the Investors Corner, we are joined by Claire from Soteria Planning, who's gonna give insights into what trusts and what wills are and what the difference is and how that protects your investments and your assets further on in life. We'll discuss some scenarios, some examples of what could potentially happen in certain cases if you don't have a will or a trust in place. And we'll also be discussing how it benefits buy to let landlords or investors in setting the strategy up correctly in regards to a trust and a will. We'll also talk about why it's so important to seek professional advice in regards to something like this, rather than relying on your online wills and, and trust that are AI generated. So make sure you're listening. This is a must episode for you investors out there. It will give you some knowledge to go away and think about and how to structure and protect your loved ones when you're no longer here. So make sure you listen, don't miss out, and make sure you hit the subscribe button. Claire, thanks for joining us on this week's podcast. There's a lot of questions surrounding ownership structures and we've been through whether you own things in a limited company, whether you own things in a personal name, or if you own things in a personal name, how you incorporate over the last couple of weeks. We're going to get a little bit more morbid about it and talk about what happens to your property if you pass away or a business partner or wife passes away, how you protect that asset. Reason being, a huge number of our landlords tell us they're buying rental properties because of their kids. That's their purpose. They think, I've got two children, so I'd like to get two rental properties that ideally are paid off by the time I pass away or by the time I retire. So my children have one each as an asset to pass down to them. But when that happens, what happens? So ultimately, as you say, it's really important to make sure that you're protecting your investment. You've built up your portfolio, you have, you know, over the years created this legacy that you want to leave to your children. Ultimately, it means nothing unless you prepare a will. A will is essentially that legal document that ensures that when you pass away, your assets are distributed according to your wishes. If you don't have a will, the government's going to decide that. Now, as I say, you've built up that wealth over your lifetime, you don't want at the last hurdle for those key decisions to suddenly be outside of your hands. So the first step is you need to prepare a will. Um, you need to get professional advice on that will because your estate consists of property and potentially other assets as well. Depending on how that property is owned and what you want to happen to that property in the event of your death is what the will will entail. So it can be a straightforward, simple will doesn't necessarily have to have trusts or any complex planning in place. It can be a simple, if I pass away, I want it to pass to X. If X then subsequently passes away, then it goes to this person. Ultimately though, for longer term protection, that's where trusts come into place. So then that ensures that you're covering for future generations, you're covering different eventualities. Um, and depending on how that property is owned and structured, it can sort of potentially be a tax-saving mechanism. So let's start right at the very beginning. What is a trust? So a trust is essentially a legal structure that ultimately bubble wraps your assets. So it means normally if you don't have a trust in your will, your assets pass on to an individual. You then have no control what happens after it's passed to that individual. When they subsequently pass away, 
their will then determines what happens to that asset. With a trust, you can foresee further eventualities. So for example, one that's quite often used in terms of property is um, what we use as marketing term property protection trust, which in legal terms is something called a life interest trust. So a common um, example where that's used is sort of husband, wife, children scenario. So if the property is owned, say, by the husband, he wants to make sure that his wife's looked after and that she can benefit from that asset during the lifetime. So if it's the main residence, she can still live there. If it's a rental property, she can still receive the rental income. Now, if you had a simple will, it means that the asset would pass to the wife and then the wife's will determines what happens next. By using a trust structure, it means that the wife benefits from the property in her lifetime, but on her subsequent death, the trust determines what happens. So essentially in that trust, you'll probably be saying, I want my wife to benefit from her lifetime, but when she subsequently passes away, I want it to pass to my children. Now, if you didn't have that trust structure in place, what would happen if your wife was to remarry? What would happen if she needed long-term care? What if she went bankrupt? Potentially that property is completely lost to either on a new spouse or to care fees or to creditors. So that trust structure gives you an added layer of protection that it means that you can determine what happens to that property beyond your lifetime, beyond your wife's lifetime, and ultimately protected for your kids. So it comes in useful with the modern marriage. The modern family, shall we say, tends to be... Definitely. Tends yeah. to be second second time round. I think, what, 40 50% yeah. divorce rate. Yeah. A lot of people get remarried later on in life, and it means that you can control an asset from beyond the grave to a certain extent so things happen how you want them to go rather than any kind of manipulation I don't know if you're watching the inheritance on channel five at the moment yes oh no i'm not watching that oh you should it's interesting oh, stuck right into it yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah, yeah. right and that's sort of a, again a prime example i mean this, this guy did have a will but ultimately it's you know, he got married without his kids knowing, updated his will. We don't know what's going to happen next. We're only on episode two. Um, but that's why it's so important to make sure that things are documented correctly and trust structures are in place so that on the first death, particularly married couples, on that first death, the, the, the wife or husband can benefit from the asset, but ultimately it's protected for the children. Because ultimately, that's that's who everyone wants to benefit. You want to make sure that your partner's okay, but really, if you're building this portfolio of assets, you're thinking about your children's future, yeah. really, aren't you? You're thinking about making sure that they're stable and secure, and in a lot of cases, it's to make sure they have what you didn't have yourself. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So you're trying to build take... some kind of legacy in how that is. Yeah. So why take that risk and not do the full planning options you know the only one guarantee as morbid as it sounds the only one guarantee we have in life is we're going to die mm. you know and people need to start being a bit more conscious of putting that planning in place because we think about lots of different eventualities you've got contents insurance you've got landlord insurance buildings of something that might happen mm -hmm. in the future so why don't you think about what you know will happen and make sure that all the right steps are in place. Yeah, I think that's one of the reasons why we work hard, we invest money to make more money, is to protect your loved ones when you're no longer yeah. no longer here. It's a conversation that 
people try and avoid mm. because you never want to think about that eventuality. But like you said, it's going to happen. It's going so to you've, happen. you've got to do everything that you can to put those things in place so you know your kids wife or whoever else are looked after when you're when you're no longer here so what would the difference be so i've got me my wife my daughter who's six years old Mm -hmm. got a will in place Mm -hmm. that says if i pass it goes to my wife yeah if my wife passes then it goes to say poppy yeah um but if me and my wife both went on holiday mm-hmm. and both died mm-hmm. and Poppy was left with a nan or whoever, yeah. what would what would happen then if I just had a will and no trust? So ultimately Poppy can still be protected. You know, the will just has still, as long as the will is determined, those sort of different stage processes, as in step one, if one of us dies, step two, if both of us die, but you also have to make sure, as she's under the age of 18 at the moment, there will essentially be a trust created in your will. Making sure that you've got the right people appointed to look after that money on her behalf until she reaches a certain age, whether yeah. that's 18, whether you specify slightly older. Um, now, in that scenario, your trustees um, have powers to advance funds for, for Poppy's care and maintenance. So that could be... Potentially, if there's property involved, it could mean having to sell the property to, you know. Could the trustees just take a large portion of my money and not really? Not if it's not for Poppy's benefit. So their role as trustees is to act on the beneficiary's behalf. So they can't take out money that's assigned to her to go and buy themselves a new sports car or take themselves on holiday. The caveat is... Poppy needs a lift to school. Yeah. <laughs> Go and get a Lamborghini. <laughs> the caveat is all of the funds have to be spent with her best interest at heart. And if that's not the case, then potentially that could be disputed in court. But that's, so know, they would need to demonstrate. They would need to right. demonstrate. I mean, a trustee's role is, is quite important. They need to keep records. Um, they need to ensure that they're getting proper advice. They need to make sure they're always acting in the best interest of the beneficiaries. And one of the the caveats for that is you must have a minimum of two trustees. And that is one of the reasons so that the trustees are accountable to each other. So if you just had one trustee, it would be much easier for them to go away and do whatever they wanted. Mm. And there'd be no accountability where there's two trustees involved. It means that you've got someone else keeping an eye on the other's decisions and choosing who those trustees are is a really important decision because it needs to be people that you're going to trust to put probably the chest or the other children are making sure that their interests are always put first so playing devil's advocate you've written your own will on the back of a fag packet Mm -hmm. um you don't know what a trustee is so you've never you've never you haven't put it down and the worst happens who becomes the trustee and how do they get appointed? But it depends. So really, probably the chances are that that will on the back of a fact packet means absolutely nothing. So potentially it would be deemed that you've died without a will, in which case it would fall to the rules of intestacy. And ultimately there's a sort of strict line of succession of who can do what, basically. So you completely have control. There would still be people appointed in those roles, but they wouldn't necessarily be the people that you would have chosen yourself. So that's why it's really important to have that will, to seek that advice, 
and people like us can help guide you on choosing who are the right people, what other provisions do we need to put in place as well. Because ultimately, again, if you rely on the boards of intestacy, then that's just going to be the bare minimum. You know, that's not going to be, that wouldn't be good enough for my child, personally. Yeah. So I would much rather spend the time and invest the money in getting some proper advice, getting a properly drafted will, and something that you can review over time as well. Wills don't need to be set in concrete forever. It's not a one-time task. As your life changes, update your will. I've updated my will so many times in the last however many years, particularly guardians and trustees for my son, because he's the most important person in my life, and I want to make sure always yeah. that the right people are appointed for his best interests. So let's move this on for landlords. Mm. If you've got one or two properties that are owned in your own personal names, because again, your Mr. and Mrs. Smith landlord with a couple that have managed to get a couple of properties under their own names through inheritance and hard work, yeah. rented them out with their children in mind, what are the top basic tips that they should do to ensure that their children aren't absolutely clobbered in inheritance tax? Because these aren't primary properties. I'd say first of all, even the most basic will is going to help save you with an inheritance tax. The, the the way that the property market is at the moment, it's more than likely that if you own one or more properties, you are likely to start getting into the inheritance tax threshold. The way that the law of intestacy works is if you don't have a will in place, then the first 322,000 of your estate will pass to your spouse, which means a fee. Whatever's left over is split 50% to your spouse, 50% to your children. Now that sounds okay-ish when you say it like that, mm. but because of the way inheritance tax is structured, that can potentially trigger a tax liability depending on the value of your property portfolio. There is something that exists called the spousal exemption. So any transfers between husband and wife for exempt for inheritance tax. As well as that, it also means that any individual allowances are transferable from the first spouse to die to the second spouse to die. So sort of summarising in the most basic terms, married couples can get up to a million pounds tax-free before any tax subsequently becomes payable. Mm -hmm. But that's only going to happen if you've got a will in place because of the way the rules of intestacy work, you could potentially be missing out on some of those allowances. The first step is to make a will, to make sure that you're taking advantage of the spouse's exemption and you're taking advantage of the transferable allowances. To go a next step is where you start considering the cluster structures. Um, so again, you know, if it's solely owned properties, rental income is a factor, you want to make sure that your spouse is still having access to that income. They're going to rely on that if you're not here anymore. But the trust structure will mean your spouse receives the income, but ultimately on their subsequent death, the capital is passing to your children. That's sort of the second layer of protection. And then you can go as far, far as you wish. I mean, it really depends what are your plans, what are your future goals, and then people like us can provide you with advice of making sure that your will or your estate is structured in such a way that your goals can be achieved. Balancing out inheritance tax, balancing out other taxes, balancing out um, access to income during your lifetime. There's so many different things that you need to consider um, that you really need to get professional advice so that we can talk you through what your priorities are, 
what your present and future concerns are and how we can best structure everything to make sure we're maximizing all the allowances but also making sure everyone gets what they should when they should most people think that right i've got these assets i'll just leave it to this person and like you've just explained there's a there's a lot more there's a lot more to it and that's why you pay for that professional professional advice isn't it just go back to inheritance tax Mm -hmm. so what is inheritance tax what's the figures at the at the moment the percentages so um inheritance tax is obviously charged only when you die um so each individual has a tax-free allowance of £325,000, which regardless of your circumstances, everybody gets that tax-free. If you own a property and the property is passing to bloodline descendants, it's a bit more in-depth, but the general general rules are if you own a property that you've lived in in your lifetime and it's ultimately passing to bloodline descendants, you get an additional allowance of £175,000. Anything above those thresholds is taxed at 40%. Which is huge. That's a lot, isn't it? It's a huge amount of money. And as I say, you do get the spousal exemption and the transferable allowances. So married couples, if if done correctly, can get up to a million pound tax free. But if you've got a portfolio of four to five properties, you're gonna be you're gonna be going over that threshold and you're gonna be hit with a tax bill of forty percent of anything above the thresholds. And that's where estate planning comes into play. So there are things that can be done to try and reduce that liability. There are trust structures, there are um, incorporation structures, there's all sorts of different options to try and minimise that tax liability. There's a lot of ears pricking up after you said there's things that you can do to <laughs> minimise <laughs> that can be done. That liability. Yeah, and I mean, they're not all straightforward, that's the thing to remember, because I think a lot of people do come to us, probably the slightly older clients who are starting to think about these sorts of things more, inheritance taxes in the back of their mind yes that is something to think about but also restructuring your estate for example particularly where properties involved can have a ripple effect in other ways so it can affect income tax it can affect capital gains tax stamp duty it can affect um access and level of income it can affect lots of different things so yes on the one side you can save inheritance tax but on the other side you could be adding something else but that's where the conversation becomes really important of balancing those priorities and goals and almost doing a pro and con for, for different mm. options. You know, it's not an exact science. It's almost an art form. It's a, I want a bit of this, I want a bit of that. How's that going to look when we put that together? Yeah, I think what's important is in the southeast where we are, it's not uncommon. I'd say it's relatively normal to see people with a million pounds worth of property. Yeah. They've got their own home and one or two buy-to-lets, which goes over, just automatically takes you over a million pounds. And what you don't want to see for your children is them being forced to sell in order to pay a 40% capital gains tax bill. Capital gains, you can tell I do this podcast on all these things. (laughs) (laughs) Inheritance tax bill. Um, And it's important to understand what you can do to mitigate it and, and plan ahead. It's also important to say whilst we're recording, none of what we're saying can be constituted as advice. We're just discussing yeah. it as a as potential options for people and why they should review their position rather than take action based on what we're saying. It's a case of yeah. everyone's case is very, very different mm. and unique. Yeah, and that's what I was saying in terms of there is no exact science. Everybody's different. Everyone's family situation is different. Every estate is structured different. 
your priority might be different to Derek's priority down the pub. You know, everyone has different things, which is why it's really hard when sometimes clients come to us and say, oh, John down the pub, he did this. I want to do what he did. It's like, well, that might have worked for him. It might not work for you. Um, And that's where the key of professional advice comes into play. It's because, you know, there are things that you might not be aware of, consequences you might not be aware of, options that you might not have considered. And that's where professional advice is really valuable. As I say, these are your most valuable assets, your family are your most prized people in your life. Why will you not spend that time and that money to make sure that everybody is protected and your assets are passing in the way that you would want them to pass? Yeah, okay, it's not great talking about death. I mean, nobody wants to think no. about it. Like It's just one of those things, but, isn't it? Where you're just like, oh, yeah. But it doesn't have to be, like, boring and morbid. You know, actually, it's quite empowering to mm. actually say, do you know what? You know, I care about my family and everything that I've built so much that I've put this perfect plan in place that means everybody knows what's happening. There's no dispute, like... I can sleep easy at night knowing if anything was to happen to me, my family are looked after. Yeah, if you're not having the conversation and not setting those 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 plans, then you just don't know where things are. Eventually... Anything can happen tomorrow to, to, yeah. to any of us. And, you know, you've got assets there. If you haven't got a will or trust or, or anything like that and they go somewhere else, it's mm. just like, what was the point of me doing yeah all of that and all those conversations are going to be had then once you're gone and it's going to be so much more contentious it's going to be so much more emotional so why not actually have those conversations while you're here yeah and you can have an impact on that otherwise you know we've seen so many families in such turmoil you know losing someone you love is hard enough as it is but to add on the stress and the pressure of not having a will, the confusion, the disputes, the extra legal fees, going to court, you don't want that for your family. No. So, you know, do 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 the right thing whilst you're still here and have those open and honest conversations because it's really actually really important. Otherwise everything's gonna come as a surprise and those conversations are gonna be had anyway. Yeah. What sort of age brackets are you are you seeing asking for for a trust or a will? Because Years and years and years ago, it used to be as you get on later in life, yeah, yeah. you sort it out then. But, you know, from people that I've spoken to and, and seen, they tend to be the younger generation now. Mm. They're setting in, in stone quite quickly in their mm. in their life because they understand the importance of it. I mean, do you see a sort of younger feel coming through now yeah we definitely see more younger people but we'd like to see more yeah it's still a subject that's considered for the over 70s mm. um and actually the way that the default laws work if someone over 70 passes away the consequence without a will the consequences aren't going to be particularly catastrophic but these rules of intestacy so the default laws that apply if you don't have a will they were created over like decades ago they are not fit for the world that we live in today and the family setup that we live in today. If you look at our grandparents and great grandparents, they all got married young, they stayed in that marriage, they had their kids and grandkids and so on. These days, as as you said earlier, you know, people are on their second, third relationship. You've got children from previous relationships, you've got estranged fathers, mothers, you've got estranged children, you've got lots of disputes that 
our our legislation is not built for that it's mm. not going to cover the basics so it is really important actually it's more important for the the 30s 40s 50s for them to prepare a will than it is for the 70 year olds if i'm honest because okay the chances of you passing away is is slightly lower than a 70 year old but the consequences of you passing away without the right planning in place is much much greater and it's going to have a much bigger impact um again because you know the, the tax allowances have been frozen for so long property prices are increasing all of those factors mean that it's really important for you to have this planning put in place the earlier the better and as i say you update it over time update it every couple of years update it every time you you change your circumstances make this a task that is part of your usual life admin you know as i say i do like, Okay, yes, I work in it, so I'm a little bit more conscious of it. <laughs> you know, I don't think, oh, let's go and have a You know, but... Or a diary appointment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you renew your insurances every year, you do this, that and the other, make your will part of that life admin. And also, the more regularly you look at it, review it, the less of a daunting task it's going to be. If you're doing putting it off and only looking at it every 10 to 15 years, it's going to seem like a big deal. Whereas if you look at it in every sort of two-year chunks, it's not such a big deal. It's just going to be little minor tweaks that you make here and there to people and all this, that and the other. And the more you're thinking about it, the less of a mental drain it can be on you as well. I think it's a really good tip. My dad passed away about two and a half years ago. And to be completely honest, from a financial point of view, it made no odds to me because I'm reasonably well set in life. I own my own business, I own my own house, blah, blah, blah. If I was... 11 years old it would have been a very different thing i have yeah. i would have nothing to my name so what, how my dad had structured his will would have been incredibly important to 11 year old me for how my future is going to be mapped out whereas now to be honest i whether i get money or whether i don't inherit money is is almost you know i'll yeah. I'll, I'll i've got my own life and and my own finances so an inheritance is a is a nice to have but not a life not not a necessity for mm. me to survive whereas as a, as a young person or a, or an under 18 it's massive and it's yeah. not it's not something i never considered to be completely honest because i'm in the in the camp that i'll probably properly sort it out after after both my parents have died because i'll be like right well i've got to do it now because mm. yeah. i'm next which is probably the traditional way of thinking about it. I'm yeah. next, so I better get my house in order. Like I said um, before, it's, it's just one of those things that probably is not number one priority that comes into your comes into your head. But this is why we do podcasts like this to hear your advice, to hear yeah. what could happen. You know, I, I'm thinking about a scenario now, um, and I have got a will done before. I probably haven't updated it for about nine years. Lots changed since then. Yeah. So I need to get cracking. Wasn't £19.will.com, was it? It was straight 50, off watch. £50 farewell. Whatever it's <laughs> straight off watchdog. So I was like, oh, God. And then I heard, obviously, we had a podcast with, with um, Jamie, and then I was like, right, I've got to do something about this. So yeah. but I've, I've got it in my head that, you know, if I own, I said, from a Manos perspective, so I own three properties, and we went on a holiday as a as a family. Mm. Something happened to me and Georgina. A puppy survived, or something like that. I've just got to 
make sure that that is set up correctly. I mean, what what, what would happen if we went on a family holiday? Mm-hmm. Just we... just just to buy. Why is it always on holiday? I'm yeah. never going to go on holiday again. It's just one of those it's scenarios. Really easy scenario to have. Really I'm thinking about being on a plane. I'm thinking about playing. And we all pass away. I've got no will. Where do, where do my assets go? So are we saying you, your wife and Poppy? Yeah. So the three of you Touch wood. Where's away? the wood? That okay. it, never, it never happens. So in that case, it would essentially be deemed whoever is uh, the second of you who's deemed to have died second whoever's deemed to have died second the estate will pass in accordance with the rules of intestacy to that family member so essentially it goes up first so it goes parents then it goes siblings grandparents aunts uncles cousins etc etc so if your wife is younger than you Mm -hmm. your wife's parents get everything potentially yeah so one family is going to potentially miss out on everything Right, Andy's face. We need to we need to have a chat. (laughs) We need to have a chat in about five minutes when this podcast is done because I'm not having that. (laughs) Exactly, and you've got no control as well. Like you know, you could lose it all to the other side of the family. It could go to you know relatives that you might not have had contact with. Like there's so many cases of you know how inheritance ends up in the hands of somebody who actually you never intended it to end up with. Crazy. So summarizing if you're the mr and mrs smith landlord of this world with one or two buy to lets and you've got your basic will in place which says if i die my wife or husband receives mm-hmm. and then their will mirrors that and then obviously if you've got children they receive everything if it's that basic will firstly well done you've started but secondly if you don't or haven't ever looked into a trust or a mechanism for how that property moves you should at least have a review with an estate planner is that fair to say yes i mean having a will in place is definitely gets you ahead of the game but you should also maybe consider having a look at trust provisions depending on what your circumstances are depending what your future concerns are and particularly as well if, the, if it's been a while since you've prepared that will it's definitely worth reviewing to make sure the right people are still appointed in those particular roles that we mentioned earlier um, and also as I say yeah exploring some trust options is, is something that's going to be really good to be considered last question for me consumer advice what do you look for and what do you avoid in a will writer or a state planning firm Great question. Um, So I would definitely say avoid the DIY online questionnaires. The most robust AI is not going to be able to replicate the kind of work that we do. It's not going to ask the right questions. It's not going to read between the lines like we do. So when you're searching for a professional to help you with this, look for someone that has a good reputation, that ultimately I would say someone that you know has used before. Um, Look at qualifications, look at training, look at experience because when it comes to this type of work and this type of, you know, situation in terms of property portfolio, it's not necessarily going to be straightforward. So you want to make sure that you're getting people that have the best qualifications, the best experience and they're going to give you the best quality of advice. 
ultimately she's really cool me. But no, that's great advice. Thank you so much for coming on to, to, to our podcast. And um, you know, the knowledge that you've given for investors to to how to deal with their assets and make sure it's protected. Um, it's just really useful for, for, for them. So thank you so much. Listeners, Claire's contact details will be in the show notes. Um, make sure you hit subscribe and we will see you again next week. Why have we made the Investors Corner podcast, Ian? I think online at the moment, there is just way too much noise, waffle and nonsense. Everyone's got an agenda. So the goal was to make a podcast for people that want to invest money in property or other areas where there's no waffle, there's no nonsense, there's no agenda. It's opinion-led, but it's an honest opinion. And it might not be the right answer, but we're gonna share it. So on the podcast, we're gonna supply people with access to mortgage brokers, financial advisors, planning experts, development consultants, everything around the property industry and the wider fields. Yeah, so if you're looking at investing in the future, you know that just having an income from your employer or from your business is not enough to give you the life that you want down the line, we're going to hopefully give you some of those answers that will give you the solutions you need for the future. So please hit the subscribe button. The more subscribers we get, better guests that we can get on and the more people that we can reach. So hit subscribe.